at chapter 15, I have a very lengthy portion of scripture that I want to read, and then I will exegete the last four verses of this chapter. But Acts is the book of history, or some rightly call the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And it's written in narrative form. So sometimes if you just jump in and pull a piece out and you don't get the rest of the story, you can leave misinformed. So will y'all let me read to you today? Let's read. And a certain man came down from Judea, certain men rather, came down from Judea and taught the brethren. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, they said, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders to answer this question. So being sent on their way by the church, that's the church in Antioch, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders. And they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed, they rose up against them saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now the apostles and the elders came together to consider this matter. And when they had been, or when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that my, by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. And then all of the multitude kept silent and they listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James answered saying, men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visit at, at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. For after this, I will return and we and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. Now known to God from eternity are all his works, 
Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. That was James, the brother of Jesus, talking. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabbas, and Silas, who were leading men among the brethren. And this is the letter they wrote by them the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying that you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment, it seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. And if you keep yourself from these, you do well. Farewell. So when they had sent off, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Now Judas and Silas themselves, being prophets also, exhorted and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And then we come to our text this morning, what I'm going to preach about. Then after some days, somebody say some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John, who was also called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and he sailed to Cyprus. 
But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for your patience. I know that's more Bible than some of y'all read all week. So thank you. Amen. But I aim to preach it all. Amen. The title of our lesson today is The Five Star Church Disputes and Divisions and How God Gets the Glory. Can I say that again? The Five Star Church Disputes and divisions, but how God gets the glory. Family, one of the greatest hindrances to the work of the church is the work of division and disputes. The church of Acts was not void from having problems. No, she also had to deal with, Sister Crawford, divisions and distractions. She had to deal with these things in spite of the great things she was doing on behalf of God in the earth. And because she was working and serving God in the earth, she became a target for discouragement. One of the reasons she became a target of discouragement Family is because humans were involved. I just said something right there. In fact, anything that has man in it will one day experience distractions, divisions, or disputes. Come on, talk to me, married people. Come on, talk to me, parents raising crazy children. Come on, talk to me, employee who got a crazy boss. Amen. Anything that man in it is going to experience some division, some distractions, and some disputes. Can I tell you why? We've got a three-pronged enemy that aims to stop the work of God in the earth. One of the prongs name is Satan. Another prong's name is the world. And the third prong name is the flesh. All three of these oppose the child of God and anything that he or she is doing in the earth in the name of Jesus. And all three of these are responsible for divisions and disputes in our work. In fact, in chapter 15, brothers, sisters, we get to see the flesh of the Judaizers get out of control. And they attempt to stop the work of God by adding rules and regulations to the new converts that Paul and Barnabas had just preached the gospel to. Paul and Barnabas would come to a town and preach and get saved and a church would be born. And then the Jews who also claim now to follow Christ, they were called Judaizers, will come behind and tell the Christians, y'all ain't Christians. And the reason why you ain't Christian, because you ain't been circumcised. And when Paul and Barnabas had made their rounds around the region where they went to plant churches and came back in Antioch where they started, they found out that the baby Christians were now confused because somebody with another gospel 
came behind and now tried to pervert what God had already done. Can I turn the light on right here? The text goes on to say that Paul and Barnabas got in a dispute. Are you with me here? Over the division that the Judaizers were trying to cause. And they said, I tell y'all what, we need to take this back to the mother church where we first got the gospel. And let's go see if what you preaching is right or what we're preaching is right. Can I just narrate it right through that? They came back to Jerusalem. Now this is interesting. First of all, Paul and Barnabas have to leave the work because of divisions and disputes. They had to stop what they was doing to go and deal with this foolishness. Can I talk about divisions right here? Divisions will make you sometimes have to put a pause on what you're doing for God to deal with foolishness. They have to leave Antioch, go all the way back to Jerusalem, and then they get to the apostles and they begin to tell them what God was doing in the life of the Gentiles. And the Jews and the Judaizers in Jerusalem got mad, disrupted the meeting, and started misbehaving. And then Peter stood up. Hey, I like him, amen? The one who preached and opened the doors of the church. Right? Peter stood up and defended the work of the Holy Spirit and revealed to them that God had used him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And then Barnabas and Paul testified some more. And then James, the brother of Jesus, who was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, stood up and affirmed and confirmed that what Paul and Barnabas was doing is right. And that the Judaizers were wrong and then they came up with a solution for the division. One of the brothers said, let's send a letter. And let's send Silas and Judas who are with us to go with Paul and Barnabas to confirm to all of these baby churches they don't have to be circumcised in the flesh. Because when you were born again, you were circumcised in the heart. I'm still walking through chapter 15. And when they came back to Antioch, after all of the distractions and the divisions, Paul and Barnabas decide it's time to move out again. And something happens. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. I got three points for my, for my lesson today and I'm going to leave you alone. Y'all ready? They're going to be short because I'm kind of tired, all right? Number one, I'm going to talk about the brother's decision. The number two, I'm going to talk about the brother's dispute. And then number three, I'm going to talk about the brother's division. Y'all in here? Come on, help me study. I won't keep you long. Amen. If you don't sleep, I promise I won't drag out the lecture. Amen. I For the brothers who are on the mountain, I give you permission to nod, brothers. I know you're tired. Amen. I know you're tired. Look at the brother's decision with me in verse 36. The text says that then it was after some days that Paul said to Barnabas, let us now, I got a ring up here, daughter, thank you. Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Notice this, family, that when we come here, we discover that true missionary teams from the Lord 
have a desire to continue the work of the Lord. In other words, these brothers have been stoned together. They've been in riots together. They've been accused by false brethren. They've been in life-threatening situations, and they still want to go back for more. <laughs> they have what I call preachers is a tenacity for the kingdom. They have a tendency to want more problems. They have a theology that says no matter what happened to us, we want to make sure God gets glorified from our labor in the earth. Can I say some more? When you come to a passage like this in this verse, you can see that they are so focused. They've got a laser-like focus, Brother Paul, to see the saints equipped and encouraged for the work of the ministry. They're willing to forget all about the trouble they had the first time they went around. We want to go back to those same churches and encourage them. I noticed this. I noticed that wherever there is this type of passion for God and his people, there will always emerge a trouble of some sort. Because the work of the church is spiritual, Reverend Tong, it automatically draws opposition. They, they, they were going back to every city where churches have been planted. And even in those places, again, as I mentioned, where they got stoned. And here's what I learned from this. This is what I call good missiology. What do you mean, Pastor? It's good, it's good to see that they are willing to do follow-up. From the places that they went to serve. Did y'all catch that new beginnings? It's not good enough to just go to a country and then don't go back no more. You have an obligation to go back and follow up on the places where God has led you. If a church has a good mission department, the mission department will make sure that there's a long-term commitment to the places where you are going to serve. That's why we can't just not go back to Cape Town. We cannot go back to Congo. We can just not go back to Rwanda. We can just not go back to Haiti. Why? We've got to have good missiology to follow up where we've started the work that God has began. Can I say some more? Paul and Barnabas, literally in this first text for us, they reveal to us what a good plan looks like. And it ought to be a plan that involves, as I mentioned earlier, checking up on believers. Now, what does that mean for us, Pastor? It means this, that if we're going to be a five-star church, we got to have a follow-up plan. A five-star church ought to be concerned about those they preach the gospel to. A five-star church ought to be looking to serve those who have had the privilege of eating your food and wearing your clothes. It ought to be have a concern for those who they love and they have ministered to. And the brothers' decisions was powerful. I like this because they don't like the distractions that happened in Jerusalem from the Judaizers make them unfocused from the work. So they decide, let's go again and visit the churches. And then that brings me to point number two. The brothers dispute. When we come to this verse, this dispute comes out of nowhere. Mm. 
and it's alarming to Luke. And that's why he records it in Acts. The Bible says, after Paul made the plan and Barnabas agreed, verse 37, now Barnabas, the son of encouragement, was determined. Circle that word. Circle that. He was determined, watch this now, to take with them, Brother BJ, John Mark. And then look at 38. But, see that there? That, that means there's a change in what just happened. Some opposition. But Paul insisted, circle that word, that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Can I let my hair down right here? When we come to this text, brothers and sisters, we see the first dispute that this missionary team has amongst itself. Brother Will, no other time in scripture, sons, do you see these brothers fighting. They was one. They had each other's back. They was in this thing together. But then all of a sudden, a dispute is about to occur. And when this dispute happens, they are going to find themselves at odds while they both agree to do the work of the law. Can I say some more? According to the text, the dispute happened because Barnabas was determined and Paul was insistent. Lean in here, New Beginnings. I'm going to talk to y'all today. Because I can put my finger on a lot of, a lot of reasons why you in mess this morning. Can I help you? These two decisions were what I call behavioral driven decisions. They were behavioral because they were acting out of character. It was out of character for Barnabas to be determined and out of character for Paul to be insistent. The word determined in the Greek is the word boleo. It literally means this. To take counsel and do something deliberately. In other words, Barnabas was going against the counsel of his partner. Deliberately causing the dispute. Can I keep going? He wanted to take his cousin John Mark. Because that was his people. Uh, Barnabas, uh, an, an argument, a fair argument to Barnabas. This was Barnabas' history though. He was known for taking people that nobody else would work with. In a couple of early chapters, remember he took a risk on a man named Saul. When nobody in the church would, deal, would touch him, amen? Barnabas took a risk to go get him and use him in the ministry. He was the one, yeah, yeah, that, that, that the brothers called the son of encouragement. So we can see why, in some sorts, he wants to take John Mark. Now, Paul, on the other hand, is guilty of being insistent in that he was insistent against the determination. 
Can I say some more? Uh, the word insisted here in the text is pronounced, is pronounced ex eu. And here's what it means. It means to make a choice for something better than your option. But it's how he made the choice. He was so ruthless in, in his denouncing of John Mark, he wouldn't say his name. Luke just simply said, he said, we ain't taking the one who ran out on us in Pamphylia. Can I let my hair down? Paul is saying, look, man, while we were getting our behinds kicked, while the multitude was running over us, they was dragging me out of town, stoned, your cousin ran from the ministry. In other words, he was a punk. And can't no punk ride with me on the mission field. Okay, I know that was a little strong for more you conservative people. He was scared. And nobody scared can go with me on the mission field. Because I need everybody to be engaged on the mission field. In other words, okay, that was a little hard too. I'll, I'll back it up. I'm sorry. Charge it to my head. I'm sleepy. Amen. Not to my heart. Paul simply didn't think John Mark was worthy to be a part of this team. Can I say some more? This is interesting. It's interesting. When they make this dissension or they make this, this dispute with each other, Neither one of them are willing to relinquish their position. And this is cause the flesh have gotten involved. And if you know anything about disputes in the church, man, they are deadly. They, they, they can mess up some stuff. Can I say some more? Perhaps you've been in a dispute with a member in the body. You know how awkward that is. They come in this door, so you go out that door. They singing in the choir, so you don't decide not to rejoice. Sometimes, family, these issues can cause good people to go bad. Sometimes these issues can cause, disputes can cause a church to split. These issues can see lifelong friends separate. These issues can devastate families and drive wedges in between what God had brought together. I ain't never seen a church split that didn't hurt. I ain't never seen a church split that wasn't painful. I ain't never seen a church split that didn't cause anxiety. Church splits and disputes always hurt the mission of God. What can we learn from this passage? As a five-star church family, we got to avoid these divisions. We have to flee from these distractions. We got to resist the temptation to dispute with each other. You ain't got no business arguing over scripture with each other. You ain't got no business as a church dividing and disputing with one another. 
Can I turn the light on here? The five-star church must work overtime to enjoy the peace that passes all understanding. Because you got enemies. Satan, the world, and the flesh that don't want you to work together. Let me give you my third point, the brother's division. I told you I wasn't going to be long. Verse 39. Look at this. This really blew me away. The text says that then the contention, circle that word, became so sharp. Y'all see that? That they departed from one another. And Barnabas took his cousin Mark and he sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas, who had just come from Jerusalem with them. And he departed. Watch this now. Being commended by the brethren in Antioch to the grace of God. And Paul went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. I wrote this note this week as I was pondering this. Here we see, Sister Wilson, an ugly picture affect a beautiful thing. A godly relationship in the kingdom gets marred because two brothers' flesh is out of control. In other words, the ugly nature of human pride and position had wrecked their team spirit and kept them now from committing the great commission together. Y'all catch that right there? Uh, the Bible says there was a contention. The word means that, that they, they turned into uh, a simple dispute, turned into a severe argument. Paraishmos is the word. It wasn't just a little disagreement. Tempers got heated. Their voices got elevated. And they came out of character because they couldn't get their way. Oh, I'm going to preach it all right here. This argument was so severe that the only solution for these brothers was to separate. They couldn't even be in the same church together. Because their attitudes had went that far. Don't tell me your flesh won't make you clown. Your flesh will make you cut, cut love and cut ties with your same brother or sister. Tell your neighbor, you better get that flesh in control. It'll tear your church up. Can I say some more? Notice this, the text says, I'm just, I'm in the text. Tell somebody I'm in the text. Barnabas took Mark and, and, and went to his native country, Cyprus. That's where Barnabas was from. And Paul took Silas and headed for Syria and Cilicia. Now, when we come to this part of the text, we see another factor taking place. Notice this. One of the brothers gets affirmation from the church and blessed in the work and the other don't. Y'all in here with me? Did y'all read it? Barnabas was so mad, he said, Mark, we out of here. And he didn't leave with the benediction. He didn't leave with the blessing.
blessing of the church. He left angry. Can I call roll? And that's the last time you see Barnabas in the scripture. His flesh made him misbehave and get angry. And then Paul gets the blessing. The church prays for him and he goes out from Antioch with the blessing of the saints to plant more churches. Now, this is interesting. I don't know why nothing is heard from Barnabas anymore. Maybe it was because he didn't have a Luke on his team. See, Luke was a physician and notorious for writing books and keeping stats. Maybe Timothy wasn't equipped enough to write books then. Mark, John Mark rather, Mark does write a gospel, but that's after he becomes mature in the work. But nothing is recorded of what him and Barnabas accomplished in that mission. Can I say some more? What I do know is that Paul gets commended by the church. And in the result of this uh, hands laying on him, there is fruit from his ministry. Can I put a pen and waddle right there? Listen, for those of you who want to try to do ministry apart from your church, without going with the blessing of your church, it's hard to get fruit in the work. That's why you have a church that can pray over you and commission you and send you out so that you can be blessed and have a covering for your work. Am I making sense here? The word commended in this text is the word pedadidomi. And it means to be handed over to. Y'all get that? Paul and Silas now were handed over to the work of God by the church. And as a result of being handed over, they were able to see what the grace of God could do. Listen, don't get mad at your pastor or get mad at your church and go off and try to start your own thing. That's not how God gives birth to ministry in the church. Don't get mad because your church ain't doing a certain thing and you go off and start your own thing. If you want to start your own thing, tell the church so we can pray over you and cover you that you will be commended by the grace of God to do it. But don't just go out there and do it because you don't have the covering of the grace to go with you. Can I park the car and pastor right here? Everything about the church family is spiritual. We are not like the boys club or the girls club or Starbucks where you just feel like starting something and you start your business. This is supernatural work and it's only sanctioned through the supernatural organization of God's work in the universe. The church is God's organism by which ministries go out into the world. If you want to find some ministries that are long-lasting and done well, the YMCA, Young Men's Christian Association, still going today, born in the church, launched in the church. 
parachurch ministries ought to come out of the church. Am I talking to you? God's calling you to do something. Don't do it without the church. There's power in the church. There's permission in the church. There's a covering in the church. And most importantly, there's order in the church. Okay, I'm through when I tell you this. This dispute devastated their relationship. This dispute, I also believe, devastated the, the hearts and minds of the new believers in Antioch. They loved Barnabas. He was the one that came from Jerusalem the first time to attest that what God was doing in Antioch was authentic. And he went down and got Saul to come back and they stayed years there as a team teaching and preaching. But now that the flesh gets in the way, the one who was once their leader models for them now what I call as bad Christian behavior. Can I talk about leadership when they flesh get out of control? Every aspect of the leader's life is on display in the church. Even your pastor don't get a pass when it comes to the flesh. If I get in my flesh, everybody getting messed up. Y'all in here now? If you get in your flesh, those closest to you going to get messed up. Tell your neighbor, we got to watch the flesh, man. We got to watch it. If we're going to be a five-star church, we got to watch our attitudes. Ladies, y'all get them quicker than anybody. Thank you, Sister Grace. She's got her pastor back. She said, that's true, Reverend. That's true. Watch the attitudes. Because your way didn't go that way on the program. Because pastor said, this is how he wanted to be done. Put your attitude in check. Because if you are a leader and you display your attitude, it'll wreck the young believers who are watching you. Can I say some more? Friend in my library commenting on this text asked me a question. Wilson, who do you think was right? I was You the scholar, tell me. He said, well, son, it really don't make much difference. Because both of them might have been right on some things and wrong on other things. I said, I agree with you. And this is what I noticed. I said, what we can do as new beginnings, wanting to be a five-star church, we can work for the peace and goodwill of the church. And not allow divisions or disputes to hijack what God has called us to do as a mission. Can I run, run, run my hair down right here? The five-star church must be a ministry born, uh, must not rather, be a ministry born of strife and selfish ambition. You know, ain't no room for selfishness in the church. Uh, my old coach used to say, ain't no I in team, Wilson. Ain't no I, pass the ball. Y'all catch that? We must be a church that's willing to work together in seasons of indifference. We must be a church that does not strive with each other. We must be a church that does not fight the brethren. Tonton, we must be a church, son, that does not destroy the work because of our own human failure. 
We must be a church that sincerely serves one another and is willing to minister to those and with those who are weak in the flesh. Paul was wrong. Because Timothy ran out. He was scared, but Paul should have had some grace. I'm talking to y'all who get mad because people don't show up to your stuff. And Barnabas should have gave Paul's concerns some considerations. And Paul should have taken into account that John Mark was a rookie. But ego stopped them from listening to each other. Ego stopped them from sharing. Ego stopped them from yielding to one another. And in the end, it was division that broke up what God was doing in the five-star church. Can I turn the light on? God had called them to a mission, but they let them egos call them to their own missions. He sent out one team. They talking about, I'm going to make my own team. I ain't talking about no rookies. I'm talking about Apostle Paul and Barnabas, his mentor. Am I making sense here? But now their flesh was calling them in another direction. Can I turn the light on right here? Have your pastor ever asked you to do something? You talking about, I don't feel like it. I'm going to do this. Last time I checked, the pastor was the under shepherd to Jesus. The spiritual leader of the flock who gets his instructions from God. He's asking you to serve in this ministry, but you feel a calling to do something else. Check your flesh. We should remember that the flesh doesn't want what God wants. The flesh does not want to get along with others. The flesh is very judgmental. The flesh will make the best worker in ministry misbehave. I'm on everybody's toes. That's why I took my shoes off. Amen. I just took my shoes off. It was going to be that kind of sermon. Amen. The flesh will make you choose, watch this now, your family over God's mission. Y'all need a window? Barnabas knew. God had called him and Paul to the work. But he had such an issue with Paul. He said, this is my cousin, Paul. I don't care what you say. I'm going to choose him over the mission. And I'm going to go and do what I think we ought to be doing. Okay, let me bring it down another way. Your girlfriend... Your friend in the church you've been friends with for years. Your flesh will make, them, make you choose them over the mission of the church. And y'all go off and start something on your own. Because you think this is what y'all supposed to be doing. I'm pastoring today, by the way. Y'all excuse me. I'm pastoring today. Sorry, visitors. You came on the wrong Sunday. Amen. I'm, I'm pastoring today. But I want you to know this. The flesh is a beast. It's a monster. The flesh will make you think you're the only one right. And everybody else is wrong. The flesh will make you choose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I already said that. Your family over God's mission. The, the, the flesh will make you fight against yeah, your brother or sister who you said you love in Christ. 
That's why I know the flesh is wicked, man. And it's wicked even while it's being religious. Y'all catch that? It ain't like they just they took a holiday and became heathens for a season. They were apostles and church leaders, but their flesh was out of control. Making sense here? And you know of Apostle Paul, right, 14 books in the New Testament, got a problem with his flesh. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Come on, stay Christian and stay in here. You know you got a problem with your flesh. Okay, your neighbor got a problem with their flesh, so you can say amen, amen, they got a problem. <laughs> I like Paul, though. He wrote about it in Romans chapter 7. He said, man, I'm a mess. When I want to do right, evil is always present. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who going to deliver me from this flesh? Then he got happy and remembered his hope and said, but thanks be to God. Can I keep it real in here? Is there anybody here today that's ever been deceived by your flesh? Anybody here ever discovered that your flesh is a monster? That that's waiting on a leash to be unleashed. I used to have a pet bull named Blue. Amen. And, and when she would misbehave, I would have to chain her to the tree. My neighbors had cats and Blue loved to eat cats. And every now and then when a cat would get loose in our backyard, she would snap that chain. Are y'all with me here? And Blue is a picture of the flesh. See, when the flesh get hungry, it got an appetite. And I don't care how you try to chain that thing. If it ever get off that leash, it's going to tear something up. Can I walk through this thing? Chain your flesh. Watch your flesh. Are you listening here? So your flesh don't tear up your church. Listen, y'all, we're talking about building something for the kingdom of God. Building something so our children can be fed the word of God. But we will never get out the blocks unless some of us get your flesh on the chain. I can't help but wonder what was going on in Paul and Barnabas' heads. Two buddies now gone awry. Listen, guess what? They'll have no more mission memories together. They'll have no more missional discussions together. They won't be able to share tongue any more sermon tips or inspirational insights. No more midnight prayer sessions because their flesh drove a wedge in their relationships. I hope you love me more than you love your flesh. Because I love you more than I love my flesh. I love you so much I'm not willing to let my flesh hurt you. Can I say some more? This was bad, y'all. This was bad. It was a severing. It was painful. It was selfish. And can I tell you, and I'm almost through, it wasn't from God. But God is mysterious. I'm going to land the plane now. God is mysterious. Notice he don't stop the dispute. He don't stop the distraction. Because in his sovereign plan, he uses messed up people to do miraculous things. Can I keep going right here? God some kind of way can reach down into the dirt 
pull up something sloppy like mud, shape it and fashion it and form it and breathe into it, his life is say it looks good. And say, I'm going to make this in my image. And then that same one that he breathes into breaks the covenant as soon as he gets a chance. And then God decides that that's okay. I love you. I know you tore up from the floor, but I'm going to cover you with my blood. And that same creation all down through humanity rebels against him, rejects him, lies to him, chases after other gods, and he keeps on chasing them, keeps on loving them. And I found out why. God's got a permissive will. He's got a divine will, but he's got a permissive will. That means he allows his marred creation to do dumb and goofy things. But he's going to use it to display his grace and mercy and love on a wicked world. How could God take a drive-by shooter, a dope fiend, a crip, and then make him a preacher to preach the gospel that men and women might be saved? You know why? He got a permissive will. permissive will he takes the unqualified makes them qualified in order to make you justified he uses marred things messed up things you want to know how I got in I was messed up and when I look at apostle Paul's life he's a murderer that God now has use for. He ain't gonna now disqualify him after he called him, even though he's still doing goofy things. Can I turn the corner and I'm through? God decides, y'all messed up my one team, but by my grace, I'ma let your two teams work. I'ma use y'all because I can display my grace in both of y'all's hard-headed situation. I'm going to use you because it's my plan and my choice to use you. Barnabas preached in Cyprus in Antioch. Paul kept going and spread the gospel all around the known world. Even in spite of their flesh being a mess. I stopped by to tell you today, I found out another reason why daughter Carrie, he would do it. Because he loves his church. In spite of us being messed up, tore up people, issues left and right, there ain't no better plan in the earth. God's plan for humanity is you and me, baby. God's plan for humanity are those who've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I heard Jesus say that upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I know that preacher is messed up. I know that sister got issues, but they are mine. And in my permissive will, I've got a plan to display my grace so that the earth would hear of an all-sufficient, all-supreme knowing God who can 
can do something with something broken. It's the potter who can use the broken vessel. It's the potter who determines which vessel does what. All of the vessels are marred, but God's got a plan for his vessel. Hey, can I just preach my way crazy today? I'm glad today that God saw some crazy people in Fresno to get together seven years ago and come up with a crazy idea to call themselves the New Beginnings Church. With all of their problems, some of them alcoholics, some of them dope dealers, some of them gang bangers, all of them hookers and screwing left and right, all of them liars, all of them thieves, all of them robbers, all of them with issues, but yet when they come together, they make a beautiful picture of the bouquet of God. I got to leave you now. But it only happened, New Beginners, because love was born from above. Love descended down through 40 and 2 generations. Love worked with all hell outside of the city. Love decided to take my wrongs and turn them into his right. It was love that took nails in his hands. And love took a crown of thorns on his head. Love shed blood on my behalf that I might be the child of God. I'm closing here, but love died outside of the city and put his body in another man's tomb. And early, early, early Sunday morning, Love got up from the dead with all the power of heaven and earth in his hands. Do you know who love is? What's his name? What's his name? Now ain't God alright? I'm so glad that love lifted me when I was sinking deep in sin far from the peaceful shore very deeply stained within seeking to rise no more but the master of the sea he heard my despairing cry and from the waters he lifted me and now safe am I and the churches say love lifted me love lifted me if God lifted you up high five somebody tell them I'm glad for love today I'm glad for love today tell the neighbor it's gonna be alright keep your flesh in check but love me when I'm unlovable come on God look at somebody look at somebody grab them by the hand and say neighbor love me man love me when I'm unlovable Shake somebody else's hand, tell them, neighbor, I know I'm hard to love, but love me. Love me, neighbor. Give the Lord some praise. Isn't God all right? <laughs> 